today's guest, Alex Meyer. I think chaos develops because there's a lot of pressure and you just go, 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 go. And you don't think so much about a process. You don't think about so much about um, how to hire. And I love this and I love this quote. Um, yeah, my gut feeling is saying this is the right person. My gut feeling is saying, oh, it's maybe not the right person. Or it's not a cultural fit. And um, and back then I was like, no, this is, no, we can't hire like this. We need to, we need to figure this out. We need to find a good balance. Okay. So let's do this. I will get some support. So I got some part first from the headquarter and then I built out uh, also my own team. And then we need a dedicated sourcing team because, as I already mentioned, um, we didn't get so many applications. So we had a dedicated sourcing team, which helped also to find the right people. Um, then we do have uh, someone who is doing the first interview according to the profile, which we need. And then also um, I created... It was rather kind of a night shift um, created a competence um, interview profile, which I also um, rolled out for the different, for the business, for the hiring team. And then we can have inter intelligent discussions about if this person is the right fit or not and not going with the gut feeling. Alex and I met at her time at N26, where she launched Brazil and US. So... We were both in fintech recruiting back then and um, we talked about expansion in this episode on how to launch markets like Brazil, like the US, what it means for talent acquisition and also um, how to translate chaos into structure and why it makes sense and when. Um, so enjoy. Then you can build trust and then you can spend less time communicating and more time just getting shit done. Then I went home and, and thought about this sentence. We basically put it on the table. Hiring takes time. People are trained. How to objectively judge certain situations. It's very, 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 very hard to change things. That was the learning. Entrepreneurs with empathy. On the people side. Hey, Alexandra. Um, nice to have you here, finally, because I think we met several years ago when you were still doing um, expansion into the US for N26, I remembered. Then you went to Moss and now you're at an NPAL. And in between, we also met here and then at dinners and just had check-ins. And I'm finally, um, I'm happy that we finally can have the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for the invitation. And yeah, I'm super happy to be here. Cool. So maybe you can give us a bit more context about yourself, who you are, what you did and what you're passionate about. And then we dive into some topics. Of course. So, yeah, I'm Alex, as you already mentioned. Don't say Alexandra. And um, because it sounds so strict if you say Alexandra. Um, so, Alex, I have now 12 years of recruitment experiences, as you already mentioned. Uh, when we met, I used to work at N26, did the expansion there for, for the Brazilian market, for the US market, and also for the European market. Um, then I joined Moss. Um, it's also a fintech company. Um, I built up the team in Great Britain and also in the Netherlands. And now I'm working with Empal as a head of TA for Volume. Cool. And what brought you into talent acquisition? Did you just fall into or was it a choice? Ooh, no, it wasn't a choice. <laughs> it was um, it was a coincidence, actually. And I think a lot of recruiters will say this because I don't think that you wake up in the morning and say, oh, today I want to be a recruiter. Um, so I can't. I so I used to work for the hospitality, 
I'm coming from a hospitality family. And and it was nice to work for, for a fancy hotel, but it's also very hard work. And people who already have experience in working hotels, they know what I mean with that. So, and then I decided, okay, I will study now business administration because I want to go out of the hospitality sector and try out something new. Then a friend came to me and said like, yeah, I'm working for the startup daily deal. Um, I don't know if you know this. And I was like, what is a startup? What, what what do you mean with this? What is daily deal? And this was, I mean, this is a long time ago. This was still when Zalando um, sold their first shoes in the internet. And it was a huge thing back then. And I was like, okay, let's try this out. And then my manager came to me back then at daily deal. And she came and said like, hey, what do you think about recruitment? And I'm like, no clue what this is. And she was like, yeah, but we need people and we need to grow up to up to 400 people in the next six months. You can help us with that. And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And um, yeah, so I came to recruitment. Um, we um, we grew up to 400 people in the first six months at Daily Deal. And I had a lot of fun and I loved it. I loved the speed. I loved the energy. I learned so much. I loved to have the interaction with the people. I loved asking intelligent questions and to figure out if this profile fits the position. And yeah, and this is why I'm still in recruitment. This is still my passion. I love, um, yeah, working within recruitment. And now I'm senior enough to also, yeah, maybe mentor other recruiters within the sector. Which yeah, I'm and you also have a podcast, right? You have a podcast called Recruitment Bites. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, okay, so I think this is a very specific um, setting, and also very specific set of experience what you have because when when you just um, look at your experience what you mainly did you always had um, a company that really expanded right so and not just okay we need to grow a bit but really expansion expansion um, with launching new markets launching new products and maybe doing this in parallel and um, hiring into sometimes uncertainty so um, I would like to talk a bit about the topic um, with you. Of so what was the first country you expanded into with a, from a talent acquisition perspective? Um, when I joined N26, I was kind of responsible already for the European market. So we've been to four countries back then. It was Italy, Spain, France, and Great Britain. And then I think it was six months later, it was November, December time when the business decided, hey, we need to also expand to Brazil. And um, are you up for this? And I was like, of course, <laughs> love this. And yeah, and then I still remember in December, even over Christmas, that we had very <laughs> deaf, uh, discussions about um, who to hire. Um, and we already found a general manager for Brazil. And um, we had, yeah, negotiation times over Christmas, which was very interesting because we really wanted to launch soonish. I think it was everything was so fast i think it was january february and um and therefore we needed to hire fast we needed to hire um quickly and brazil was a totally different market for me i don't speak portuguese and um 
but we just uh, the business knew that there's a huge um, potential and there was so yeah this was um, I would say the first very in-depth experience um, going into Brazil and um, I think also the the setting there is important to understand that N26 was in a really ex expansion phase right so yeah it was always it was already yeah it was already series D when I joined we had this big celebration and within oh, was it series no it was series d i think already yeah series d and huge i i, I don't remember actually um how much they raised it was a, a lot of money and yeah, several then, hundred millions yeah right? yeah crazy crazy really really crazy um and then yeah and then they decided we need to expand now um and let's expand not within Europe anymore, but without, um, outside of Europe. And let's go to the South American market. Mm -hmm. A big step because I think also Nubank is really big in in Brazil, right? So it's a, a huge yeah. competition um, out there. And if you're just going out there new, <laughs> then that's that's tricky. Did you also have a chance to maybe speak with companies already been there? Because I think SumUp is also in the fintech space and they have a huge market um, share in in Brazil, I, think I, guess. So, yeah. I didn't talk to Summer, but I talked to Nubank. I talked to C6 and another comp um, competitor there, actually. And Nubank is huge, eh, which is what is very interesting in Brazil is actually. So what we have here right now in Germany, we do have the banking system and it's clear that you have a bank account. And we have this cup since decades now in brazil it's not that common that you have a bank account and this was rather new so there wasn't um clients which need to switch the bank account which we have here in europe or in germany for example you had sparkasse and mm. now you want to switch to n26 but a lot of people in brazil they don't even have a bank account it's rather like okay let's open a bank account and new banks saw this and therefore they uh, gained a lot of customers but we also came into a very sweet spot back then and there were still a lot of clients or customers which they don't have a bank account yet and they still figure out okay do i need a bank account and if i want to have a bank account which bank do i want to take and i think um yeah it was a really good time back then at n26 because it wasn't rather the switch or i think it's still difficult to convince someone to switch your bank accounts instead of let's have a bank account actually because it makes sense to have a bank account wow and what was then the, the first step in maybe the thinking process or the the planning process if there was some um maybe not even official but how did you approach it because i think you mentioned the first hire was a general manager right yeah and we were quite lucky because the general manager was a referral back then um it was i mean Thomas, <laughs> you know, the startup scene, it wasn't really like, oh, let's have a plan. <laughs> let's figure this out step by step. It was rather, let's go. And when, and yeah, we were lucky enough to have this very good referral. And then I still remember I got this email and like, um, yeah, Alex, let's have a conversation with this um, candidate. He is a referral from one of our employees and I talked to this person and he was Stella and I really liked him and um, he ticked all the boxes which we need for a general manager for a new country and of course we were lucky enough that he also has of course a network within um, 
from other companies, etc. So he helped us within recruitment and he helped me, especially because I was responsible for recruitment other than Brazil. So what we did is we hired this um, perfect person for our market and then he was already there. We also had an expansion team in Germany, mm, two people, three people back then. And they also went to Brazil to support the Brazilian market, to support the general manager there, um, not just within recruitment, but also with processes, building up a strategy, building up the product. Because, of course, we had a product, but as you probably know, you can't just take the product which we have in Germany and just put it into this market because this it, it doesn't work like this. Yeah, you need um, not just need localization, you also need compliance, I guess, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I think it, I, I don't want to say this um, because I don't know this exactly, but compliance wasn't the big thing. It was like in the US, it's a bigger thing. And maybe we can also talk a little bit about the product fit in the US because what's, which was even more difficult um, within the US to have find this product fit, but I'm not a product expert. Um, therefore, maybe I'm bullshitting here right now. So what I want to say is that, yeah, we had a core team from the German market within the Brazilian market, and they built up um, the whole product, the whole strategy. And I was still in Germany um, having the first interviews with different. So we wanted to build up the core team within Brazil, but we also needed people which speak English because our company language was English. And if you are in Brazil, they are, and this was my first um, experience, a lot of people don't speak very well English in Brazil. They rather speak Portuguese. And this was qu quite... How can I say this? When I, when I used to um, recruit for the European market, it's more common that they speak really good English, like Spanish, mm -hmm. Italian people. But this wasn't that very common in Brazil. So what I needed to do is, and this was my first challenge, is I needed to talk to a lot of people. I needed to screen a lot of CVs before I find the right fit. And also, which was very interesting, we got, we gained a lot of um, good CVs, actually. So we had no problem in finding people because we just put it online, the JD, and we received a lot of applications, which was good. But yeah, as I already mentioned, it was difficult to find the right people because a lot of people didn't speak English. <laughs> Yeah, I can understand. And how is it then different to to launching into the US, for instance? Yeah. Um. So I wasn't because there. English is there, right? <laughs> English is there, and also very well educated people, which you also have in Brazil. Don't get me wrong. You are especially in Sao Paulo, and we had our office in Sao Paulo. Um, you have well educated people there, but you also. Hmm, How can I say this? In comparison to, to the yes market, where you also have a lot of well-educated people, um, if you're well-educated in Brazil, that you can really choose which company. Quite similar to the yes, obviously, because you also have a huge amount of good companies there. Um, but they are more pickier in the US than in, in Brazil because if you are fancy new company especially the N26 was this new fancy fancy company coming from Europe um, a lot of people were very interested in this in the US it wasn't it was very hard to find really good people because we didn't get the applications there um, we weren't fancy enough um, there were just especially when you have your um, office in New York 
where you have a lot of very fancy companies in New York, you, a lot of people weren't interested in actually applying within N26 in the yes market because it, yeah, it wasn't fancy enough in comparison to, to Sao Paulo, where we were very fancy as a company. <laughs> Yeah, I can imagine. And what how, what did you do differently there? Did you also hire um, a GM first and then a team? Yeah. So in the so I came into a different stage within the US market. Um, so there was when I built up the Brazilian market, it was parallel also already the US market um, operating. And um, since we actually thought that we want to also grow the yes market quite big um it wasn't just the east coast but we want to go the west coast etc um there there was already a recruitment recruitment team it was probably about five people big so mm -hmm. i was in connection with them obviously um but i wasn't really recruiting for for the yes market and then COVID hit us and we needed to stop everything we needed to stop every operations within brazil the brazilian market we needed to stop um, the operations uh, within the u.s market um and unfortunately we also needed to let go of the yes people back then not all of them we kept a core team but also the recruitment need team needed to to leave and then I don't want to say after COVID, but then we, the uh, business figured out, okay, actually it makes sense to start over again and we need to hire again. And I still remember I was, I was very keen to, to recruit for the yes market. And, um, and then they said like, Hey, Alex, let's do the yes market. Let's ramp up, um, up again. So we had the core team still. And um, back then also someone from Germany, um, he took over interims wise, uh, um, the general manager for the yes. We also had the head of um, operate, strategy and operations. She also took um, uh, as interims, um, an interims phase, the general manager. So we had two people for the general manager position. Um, one from Germany and one from the US. Um, also, the person from from Germany went to the US. So, and then we started hiring again. We started again to build up um, the bigger picture. We started again, like, okay, what is our strategy? Which people do we need? Um, again, the product fit in the US was very different to the product fit in Brazil, and therefore we needed def different people. We also wanted to, and this was also a strategy point um back then in brazil we didn't need a tech team because everything was operating from the german team but in the us it's still different we needed to have a tech team also in the us market so i also needed to build up uh, the tech team within the us market yeah. i hope this yeah yeah sure in case you like my show please subscribe i would really appreciate it and in terms of when you just would compare maybe salary levels or also the speed in terms of hiring or certain attributes like the candidate experience um maybe also with not an a big office there yet and so on right so i think post covid this was a bit more normal but maybe pre covid not yeah so this is maybe also a factor um what, what attributes like what i mentioned maybe um do you think were impactful and also different to yeah. to the core headquarter market for instance yeah 
Oh wow! I mean, salary. <laughs> it's 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 it's. I I just smiling about it because it was insane sometimes. And how much and, percent for for certain roles? So, I when I take for example a product role, product manager, and um, I don't know. Back then, for a good product manager, within back then, we paid about. I would say 100, 110K um, for someone in the product area because if it's already quite a long time ago, it's like four years ago now, maybe it's even like higher now, which is good salary, I would say, like for someone who has sweet four years experiences. But in the US, we needed to even double or like even go higher. So we needed to pay someone 250 to 300K actually for the same role, for, for the same amount of experience. It was, uh, was very crazy. To, yeah, to also see. in a very hot market, I guess, right? Because this it is was also, very I hot think... Market. Yeah, especially if you want to have the best out of the best people, especially from the East Coast. West Coast was even more crazy. I talked to product people which had salary expectations of about 600, 700K, which was which we can't afford, obviously, um, couldn't afford. Yeah, it was um, crazy. But and, and, you know, and the top out of the top peop, uh, people, what what was the, the definition for that? Was it somebody with very specific industry experience? Because usually I see that, um, especially from a founder perspective, they want to have people who did exactly something in the past, what you need to do. <laughs> and then they want, they have certain biases, like, also positive by this, right? So sometimes it's good to know exactly what you want in, in that specific way. Um, but then the reality hits. <laughs> so what, what, what was it? Yeah, quite similar, Thomas. Um, we needed to someone who had already had fintech experiences. <laughs> the best case already built out a similar product. Um but at least to have like worked already in a young company within the finance scene and yeah um this is what we needed and especially if you have if you're launching a new country if you have you have a core team but you still need people which have experiences within this particular domain because then you just can be successful because you still need to learn as a company okay what do we need to know, which we don't know yet, because we are actually coming from Germany and the US market is operating very differently than the, the German market, especially legal-wise. We had a, um, a very specialized legal team, which were experts on their level because it was needed. Um, it is, and I'm not so, I'm not that depth into that. So I would say it is, especially in within compliance, legal, um, it is, you need to have this expert team and you need to have people which already have um, experiences within that because it can go a lot of things wrong if you don't have this expertise. Mm. And when, when we just um, maybe talk a bit about the way or the approach um, when the scaling is happening, Let's give it a name, chaos versus structure. <laughs> <laughs> how, how could we um, go walk through that process or through that phase when chaos maybe is there and structure is needed 
um, or maybe it's not even needed or to, to what extent and why. So what are your thoughts when expanding into new markets um, when we drop the name or the, the buzzword chaos and um, structure or process? Yeah, I think you know this better than me, especially if you, there's, especially in the startup scene. So you have all the money raised now. You need to be successful. You need to find clients. You need to find the product fit. You need to find people which are building out the product. And also you need to have a stellar product. Then you need, and then customers need to buy your product. And there's a huge pressure on the founders. There's a huge pressure on the senior management team. And the pressure is coming down to recruitment because you can't do anything if you don't have the right people. And I think they don't want to hear about um, a nice process, who is taking out which responsibility. Let's have a good interview process. Let's have a good candidate experience. Let's build out a good candidate experience. What does it mean, actually? Let's also maybe it doesn't make sense to have a competence um, interview, um, interviews, maybe have a training. They don't want to hear this. They don't want to hear. They want to see a list of candidates which are already in your LTS. In the best case, if you have an ATS, and um, how many interviews had you, and how many interviews can I have that I can find this right pe person? Why are we so slow in finding people? Why is now why um, our candidates are not applying? What are you doing actually the whole time, Alexandra? <laughs> this is how it is, right? So, um, and then I was in New York having coffee. <laughs> <laughs> was the whole time in the kitchen just drinking coffee. Haven't you been in New York? First time, hello, then you need to go sightseeing. Yeah, exactly. I need to figure out like what are, which kind of nice... Okay. Do you want to see the photos? Yeah. <laughs> this is um, how I worked. No, it wasn't. And so I think chaos um, develops because there's a lot of pressure and you just go, 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 go. And you don't think so much about a process. You don't think about so much about um, how to hire. And I love this. And I love this quote. Um, yeah, my gut feeling is saying this is the right person. My gut feeling is saying, oh, it's maybe not the right person. Or it's not a cultural fit. And um, and back then I was like, no, this is, no, we can't hire like this. We need to, we need to figure this out. We need to find a good balance. Okay, so... Let's do this. I will get some support. So I got some support first from the headquarter and then I built out our, also my own team. And then we need a dedicated sourcing team because, as I already mentioned, um, we didn't get so many applications. So we had a dedicated sourcing team, which helped also to find the right people. Um, then we do have uh, someone who is doing the first interview according to the profile, which we need. And then also um, I created... It was rather kind of a night shift. Um, created a competence um, interview profile, which I also um, rolled out for the different for the business for the hiring team, and then we can have inter intelligent discussions about if this person is the right fit or not, and not going with a gut feeling. And I think this is the first step in regarding let's implement a process let's um within the whole chaos or within the whole pressure i would say and still do a good job in regarding hiring because hiring wrongly is also very expensive for for the company and we sh should be aware of that 
I, I love the point and the structure. So thanks. Um, I, I also think that the whole gut feeling piece is a big asset, but also a, a, um, can be dangerous. And I think the gut feeling is mainly um, a good driver if you have certain experience in a certain um, field to make decisions, right? Because I think as a founder or a senior executive, the only thing what you really can scale is the decisions you make because time is very limited, um, money, everything, resources, all, all limited. Um, and you need to be very effective and efficient in, in decision-making and sometimes um, data well done research or briefings, preparation in any way help. But at some point you, you've done this for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, certain things you can really decide based on your gut. And I think you then even make better decisions than somebody else with not that experience doing, following a certain clean process. But when you go into the use case of expansion, where you may be first time hire into a very new market, also for a role that is maybe new or quite different, maybe with a similar job profile, what you hired into a headquarter, then I think it's really important that you follow a certain structure that delivers quality or assures quality um, combined with a bit of intuition, because I think that's always important but it should not be the main factor, as you said. And this is especially in the beginning often the case, right? That it's a wild west situation. And then you maybe end up hiring the person that is best pitching themselves. And this is not what you want. Yeah. Maybe very true. Um, it's quite interesting how you say it and maybe you're right. And especially if you are a founder or if you um, have you have the responsibility, um, for example, as a general manager um, for, for a particular country, you you know what you want. And I, as a recruiter, I can't go into your head and truly understand what do you want, right? We need to figure this out. We need to have a discussion about it. Nevertheless, I still tell my hiring team, you don't want to spend 85K for a person because the gut feeling saying, yes, this is what I want. And as you already mentioned, you need to find a good balance in regarding, okay, my intuition is saying, yes, also the profile looks good. Also the answers were right. Let's go with that. And just saying like, oh, my intu intuition say yes, but actually it's the answers weren't very good. And also most like the, the experiences are not there. So we say rather no, although I'm saying my, my gut feeling is saying yes, hmm. this, is, this is exactly what you meant, probably. In case you have any feedback or anything you want to share with me, please send me an email on thomas at peoplewise.com or hit me up on LinkedIn. And in case you really enjoy the show, please subscribe. I would really appreciate it. And I think also a good process is designed around intuition, where intuition is also one piece of it. it it's maybe not a, a checkpoint or, yeah, now we go to the step intuition, <laughs> no, not at all. But I think for shaping intuition, it's important to interview a certain number, to calibrate the profile. That's also intuition shaping. yeah. And also maybe when making the decision process, it's also important um, to maybe talk to peers that maybe also hired certain profiles already to just get a bit of an understanding of the market. Um, 
or the field or the role or the situation and the circumstance, plus also doing reference um, calls, ideally also by the person making the decision itself, um, because I think this also additionally shapes the intuition um, or is reducing the risk of making intuitively the wrong decision. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm a huge, I just had the discussion yesterday. I, I, I really believe in reference checks, but we need to do it properly, right? So we, and especially in Germany, you can't just um, call someone um, um, and say like, hey, you used to work with this person. This is not how it works, right? So we need, you need to ask the person. But I, I think you need to ask the managers um, back then from, from this um, candidate and to ask good questions. Not just like, hey, how was it to work with this person? But go a little bit deeper. It's kind of a, interview as it itself um, when you're doing reference checks and you can figure out so many things again and it's kind of also kind of a handover because then you also can figure out okay these are the, the weak points and we can work on those points right it's really um, I, I um, yeah reference point reference checks um, it's a good point that you just mentioned this which also should be in a really good interview process as well or recruitment yeah. process Exactly. And to be honest, I also think at a high level of um, scope, so let's say director, general manager plus, where you really need to build your own environment and create it in in, in certain way, I think it's also important for, for the candidate to also figure out what is the right um, experience environment for the candidate or also experience they need to get provided um, to be successful because sometimes I see oh now I pay so much money for the first time this person needs to do everything yeah something unrealistic that's really bad yeah so I think also having a certain empathy towards um, leaders that are expensive and um, are really risky to hire you also need to support them and enable them and make sure that they are successful <laughs> so that's also what I mean I understand me. that you're paying them for their experiences but still <laughs> kind of a, yeah also um, do you need to help them maybe they are faster than a junior obviously um, to understand the business model, to understand how it works or how processes works or even implementing new processes. But still, there needs, you need to give them some time. <laughs> totally yeah, agree. I, I, and this is also what I always thought, but then sometimes I thought, wow, it's, it's really difficult for um, leaders to onboard themselves and make their first decisions because you also want to make them right. And this just takes time because it's so complex. Yeah, very, very true. <laughs> yeah, cool, Alexandra. It was really nice. So um, always what I ask is, um, who is a guest that I don't know, but you know who I should interview as well? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, God. You got me now. Who should you interview? <laughs> and, and, yeah, I think the listeners should know that we know a lot of people actually together. <laughs> it's not that <laughs> easy. It's um, fine. Maybe we also know, but um, know somebody, but was not on the show yet. What is about Noah? I'm I'm curious why Noah wasn't on the podcast yet. Yeah, I think we, we yeah we always scheduled, um, but then it never happened, and now we just I think we need to do it once. So we are yeah, in conversation. you should do it with Noah actually because I love listening to Noah I and mean, I still <laughs> I didn't talk to her since a while actually but you should talk to Noah definitely yeah, let's do it. I just, I just she's listening right now hi Noah <laughs> and I said, now, now Alexandra also said we should talk so let's do it <laughs> 100% okay Alex yeah so um 
thanks for the for your time and for um, the nice conversation. Um, and I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. I enjoyed it too. Have a wonderful day.